It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. LMFM Podcasts with CNC Carpets. We bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskin. Call 087-660-40-237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. You're very welcome to Late Lunch this Tuesday afternoon. Great to have you with us on the show again today. Lots happening in this country and around the world and plenty of guests and chat to come over the next couple of hours here on Late Lunch. Um, You have heard the news that the Cabinet are meeting today and discussing longer opening hours for pubs and nightclubs, etc. Looks like pubs will uh, open until 12.30am, seven days a week, and nightclubs extended to 6am in the morning. Um, it's um, much later than it is at the moment. This is going to impact many people and one of those uh, groups who will certainly be impacted are taxi drivers. Brian Keelan has a business locally and he drives into the night time and early hours and he joins me on the line. Hello, Brian. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thanks very much for joining me on the show. And thanks for all the times you've looked after me when I've needed you in the wee hours. But not as uh, as late as 5, 6 a.m. in the morning, Brian. Uh, what do you make of this? Yeah, Jerry. Like, I, I think we all kind of knew it was coming online at some stage or other. I suppose we have to kind of try and keep our power with our European cities and towns and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, initially when I heard about it, I kind of thought, you know, this God, this is crazy, this is madness. And then I kind of started thinking about it and thinking about it. You know, the pub end of it, I think it's a very good idea. Uh, we, we all know, we've all been in situations where we've been in the pub, the crack has been good, and, you know, we're a good company, having laughs and whatever. We decided, that, you know, I'd love another drink. Mm. But a lot of us are at the age that we wouldn't be nightclub goers. We've been there, done it all, and would prefer just that one more drink. So I was like, yeah, it's the pub end of it. Half twelve, yeah, I think it would work and it would work well. Uh, nightclubs end of it, um, from the consumer side of things, and maybe from the taxi side of things, I think it would be a very good idea, simply because, you know, the consumer's end of it, like they can, okay, they mightn't be thrown to drink into them as quick as they, you know what I mean, they would, they would be easing themselves into it, uh, enjoying the night, they can leave the nightclub whenever they wish, they can go to it whenever they wish. On the taxi end of it, it I would see it'd be an awful lot easier. There wouldn't be as many people being, you know, trying to get taxis all at one time. Um, it'd be easier for the taxi drivers to get around to the customers. You know, we have this staggered approach of people leaving the nightclub, going and leaving to a nightclub. Well, I think it would work well 
even on the antisocial end of it, you know yourself, everyone coming out of nightclubs, all at the one time, hanging around fast food outlets, trying and waiting for their taxis to come. And, you know, problems do arise out of situations like that. So, overall, pub end of it, I think it will work. Nightclub end of it, yeah, I think it would be a very good idea. Will, will nightclub owners go? I, I'd be interested to see what nightclub owners' opinions mm. would be on it. Um, yeah, uh, will, will they go with it? Are they prepared to stay open? Legally, I think it's legally you're allowed to serve drink at five. That's right. The yep. premises are emptied down by six. Mm. So I'd be interested to see what, you know, what, what opinions would be on, on, on nightclub owners. But from a taxi point of view and a consumer's point of view, I, I, I think it would work well. So you think rather than the burst out in nightclubs, you see it at the moment, nightclubs close and everybody bails out together. You think this will enable perhaps a staggered uh, you know, exit from nightclubs? Do you not think everybody, Brian, will hang on till the last minute? I don't think so, Jerry. Well, I, I well, I wouldn't imagine everyone like if you suddenly went into a nightclub at twelve o'clock or eleven or twelve o'clock at night, they'd be doing down well now to keep going until five or six <laughs> o'clock in the morning. I know I wouldn't be able to do it. Um, so that's where I see a staggered approach. I mean, somebody's going, you know, I mean, it'll find its level, I'm sure. But I mean, initially, okay, the, the whole buzz of maybe being able to stay in the nightclub till five o'clock in the morning, you will have the old diehards or whatever. But I think it will find 11, and I think it will it'll create a staggered approach, which I think is a good thing. Mm. Is it just um, at the moment you're living in a time when they do all close at the one time, everybody pours out, recipe for problems, is it? Is that what you see at times? Oh, yeah, absolutely, Jerry. I mean, it's between pubs close and, and, you know, okay, if you get, uh, let's say, a Friday Saturday night or a Saturday at the pubs, I mean, get people out by half one, sometimes it could be two, and you never know, it might go on to have to. So you necessarily have to be coming from pubs and from clubs that yes. creates a, a, a burst. And, you know, there is only X amount of taxis in the town. I mean, and everyone's up with a taxi at the one time. Um, I, I, I definitely think it would, 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 would definitely be a good thing. You know, it, 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 I think if you, if you ring a taxi coming out of a pub or a club and you're, you're able to get it within a reasonable amount of time, you're not going to be hanging around the streets. You're going to have less people on the streets. Uh, it'll just move things quicker and smoother, I think. Mm. And and it is uh, aligning us more, uh, of course, with the with the European model. You know yourself, other people will say, is there not enough time allotted to drinking? You know, I'm just being devil's advocate here, you know what I mean, in terms of pubs. But I heard what you had to say, but, but for nightclubs and that as well, is there not, you know, it, there's, there's plenty already without extending it to these hours. Yeah, and look, that's why I say it'd be interesting to see what way the nightclubs work and what their opinions are on it. Um, will they open at 11 o'clock will they open at 2 o'clock will they open at 3 o'clock mm. uh, as I say it, it'll, I'm sure it'll find its level I find it hard to believe that nightclubs will stay open the last hour of the morning yes. I mean if they have a, if there is a staggered approach and people their, their consumption is only at, at a certain level people will drift off I mean mm. are they going to keep a nightclub open for 20, yeah. 30, 40, 50 people I don't think so yeah, well, that's if, where I think they, they will find yeah. their feet and I think we will all find the level uh, uh, when this actually does come in well uh, look if anybody out there today we've, uh, we've been in touch with a, a number of nightclub owners without much success of anyone wanting to talk about it but if you're uh, involved in the nightclub business and you'd like to have a word with us do give us a shout 086 658 by whatsapp or text this afternoon or you can call in on the main number as well here to LMFM Brian I'll leave you there for today away you go and uh, keep up all the good work of uh, rescuing me and others like us when we need you 
Absolutely no problem, Jerry. Thanks for the call. Take care now. That's Brian Keelan there from Keelan Cabs. Uh, standing by and uh, to have a chat with me is a well-known publican. She's involved with the fitness, of course, and she's been with us in the past on late lunch, most notably during the pandemic and the closures around then. But a different scenario now. Uh, Colette Nugent from the Market Bar. Hello again. Well, hello, Jerry. Lastminute.com. How are you all doing? <laughs> We're doing well. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Well, from a publican's point of view, 12, 30, seven days a week. How do you feel about it? Uh, well, look, the, the laws we know are antiquated and they need to uh, re- revamp them. Absolutely. And it is good for the nighttime economy. Absolutely. It needs to be readdressed. But, you know... Timing is everything here. And I mean, I did send an email about this and we were asked about it when there was a, you know, our opinions was being asked on another last minute dot com, albeit too late. But here's where we are currently. As I, as I think myself, most people in this town will agree or in provincial smaller towns in the Loud County, this doesn't affect us per se. The only people that's going to take up this 6 a.m. in a nightclub is bigger cities, you know, that's going to, you know, has a lot of nighttime life that that would probably benefit from it. Mm. From a publican's point of view, as I say, it's good. But, you know, at the moment, we are currently on our knees again. You know, we're, we're actually minimising our opening hours in order to survive now because of increasing right, uh, costs that are rising. Mm. So for us, the t- as I say, the timing is completely off on that. Yes, it needs to be streamlined and, you know, please God, in the future when we can all actually open up doing our seven days a week, you know, that'll be fine. But the other flip side, and I I was glad that Brian was on there, and it will benefit them, obviously, long term. We have a huge issue with the lack of taxis in Drogheda. There are no taxis. I'm, you know, listening to people that won't come into Drogheda because they can't get home. Mm. So, this, you know, it's a double-edged sword. If, If we can't physically afford to open our premises because of rising costs with, you know, ESB and heating and oil and all that, and it goes in hand then that we, when the customers do come in, we can't get a taxi to get them home. You know, it's all a bit pie in the sky from, you know, from the minister. I mean, yes, I'm not saying it's not a good thing. It needs to be done. But it won't affect the majority of pubs. In my opinion, and it is only my, <coughs> my opinion, it's not a vintner's opinion, it wouldn't certainly benefit me at all. Okay. It would be of no consequence or, you know, but there is lots of pubs now in Drogheda that's probably screaming at the raise, what the hell is she talking about? You mm. know? Um, <clears throat> but opinion, that's just my opinion on it. I don't think, long term it's a great idea, but it wouldn't affect the likes of my small pub okay. or smaller pubs. W- like will this. you stay open? To, let me ask you this first. I know what you're saying because I see it with a number of pubs. A number of pubs don't open now early in the week at all. They don't bother opening, no. you know, Monday, Tuesday. Across the country, you can go down any main street in any town at the moment, uh, Jerry, and you will struggle to find a bar open in the week, in the day. Mm. And, and I mean, to me, that's a bigger worry as opposed to we should be addressing that <clears throat> instead of on about getting uh, extra open hours. I mean, it's it's almost laughable when I was. I mean, we we knew it was coming down the line. We know it's they're trying to get a pass and get through, and it's this and. The hours have been slightly modified. Uh, they were uh, um, originally the hours that was proposed was going to be two thirty three a.m. Mm. for the week in the in the middle of the week. Yes, and it's all very well saying it's going to be strictly regulated and licensed, and it just it makes a mockery of us for our seven day publicans license because that's going to devalue devalue that, and they've done the same to the taxis as Brian there would would be able to agree to previous when they streamlined that, but. 
in, I know the question you're going to ask me. Am I going to stay up until t- half yes. past twelve? In, yes, in that's week? my next question. I was just dying to throw it at you. Go on, answer ah, it now. Sure, I'm, I'm able to mind read you now at this stage, Jerry. I don't see the need to. Right. I, I, for me, it wouldn't be the need. Yes, I would have my doors closed as I was always at half past eleven, and I would perhaps continue to serve my to people that's in the premises. But I wouldn't need the door open. I mean, mm. I think it was Brian says. If I'm in a nightclub, at, you know, I go to a nightclub at 11 o'clock, I'm not going to be still dancing and drinking at 6 a.m. Mm. So if somebody comes in to me at 9 o'clock, they won't want to be still. Well, they will, you know what I'm saying. Everybody has a certain amount of money now to go out. So if they're coming in to me at 9 o'clock, is it going to stop them coming in at 9 o'clock? They're going to come in at 11 o'clock and stay till half 12, 1 o'clock? I, I don't know. Weekends, yes, absolutely. And I think it's long needed an overhaul for a Sunday night. Yes. I think it's ludicrous to be... Uh, closing a bar at, at 11 o'clock on a Sunday night and, you know, public holidays and bank holidays, all those type of things. Mm. But um, for me personally, there'd be, be no need. I know that certainly uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday would be perfect and yeah. that's sufficient. And I think each individual publican, established uh, publican, will, will find their own niche in that. Yes. And people will understand that. I think in what they're trying to do to stop it being so confusing they've probably made it more confusing. Because <laughs> currently, just speaking of Drogheda, that's the only way I can speak, is most regular customers of pubs are finding it very confusing as to who's open, when they're open, what time they're open. And that's just currently because of the way things are between, you know, the cost, rising costs and staff. And there's nobody out, Jerry. Mm. You know, people are, are now, you know, we're on a different tangent here, but people are trying to, to budget now. We know we've got Halloween coming then after that, it's going to be Santi. So, you know, there's a, there's a small amount. It's either heat the house or feed yourself. I'm certainly not going to be going to the pub. So that's where we're coming at, you know. Yeah. Not to be doom and gloom, but that's the, the realism the realism of it, the, you know. But it's relevant to each premises. You yes. Know? It's relative and relevant to each premises. Isn't it a terror like you and I spoke, as I said, the pandemic and with different issues altogether. And now here we're back. And I hear what you're saying and the rising costs. Believe it. Can't believe it. It's just one, one, one thing after another, isn't it? That's, it and, seems to be. I, I don't mean to be, you know, there I know. are real other people street, terribly, terribly struggling from a physical, a mental emotional, I, and I know that, that there's a big struggle is real, I don't mean to be glib about that, but we're all struggling in our own way and in our own environment and, uh, you know, as a business person trying to keep you know, the lights on, the doors open and staff employed, and I'm one of thousands in this country that's in the same position it doesn't mean that it's doom and gloom I'm just be, trying to be a realist yes, and, 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 uh, yeah, always appreciate me, that laws don't, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the laws you... don't, don't, wouldn't affect me okay. it would be a great thing to me, but Jerry, anyway, listen Wishing everybody well, keep well, keep happy, keep upbeat, keep listening to LMFM, <laughs> keep giving Jerry Kelly plenty of sick. That's my, my, my ethos now going forward. Honest to a fault. Love you. Thanks for joining me. God bless you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Colette Nugent there from the Market Power. Always so straightforward. Have you anything to say about the extended licensing hours? What do you think? 12.30 every night for publicans if they want it. Uh, 5 o'clock drink up at nightclub. 6am in the morning. Love to hear from you. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show. Frank says, New York never sleeps, Cherry. This is fantastic for people who are on shift work. 
Yeah, good point made there, Frank, that's for sure. Eileen's been on to say, Jerry, having the pubs open until 6am on a Sunday night into Monday morning won't be very good for the people who have to go to work on Monday, says Eileen. Another well po- good point, well made, Eileen. Thank you indeed. Keep them coming to us, 086-1800-658. Louise, I see you in there swatting. Are you swatting round your head? Driving me mad. What's driving you mad? Flies. Well, they're dive bombing me. They're actually dive bombing me. <laughs> Last <laughs> week when we were out with the Wednesday Club, there was a lot of flies about. And actually, we got a message in uh, to say, does anybody notice the amount of flies that are about at the moment? There's a lot of them. Yeah. There is. More than there should be for late October. I thought October. it was just me in my kitchen that there was... No. I thought it was flowers in the kitchen. Or... <laughs> no. I've noticed this as well. And others have... And I'm sure people listening today have noticed. Have you noticed a lot of flies about your kitchen or your home or when you're out and about? There is. And I'd say, I'm just making an educated guess here. Can I, can, am I allowed to do that? It's an educated guess. It's the mild weather. It's so mild that, you know, it, it flies don't live in cold weather. It wipes them out. You know, there's no flies in winter, lots in summer. Uh, it, they're wiped out uh, by... You turn off the heat and then... If you, well, do you ever notice a few of them arrive when you turn the heat on? But there is, there seems to be, anyone confirm that a lot of flies about, do you, do you, you don't like flies, you swat no. them, do you? Mm. Yeah, swat well, them. Why is it that you could be in a big kitchen or a big room and there could be one, one fly or two yes. flies and they'll always come <laughs> around your head? <laughs> they will. They won't stay the other side of the picture, they'll just, or the kitchen or wherever oh, you are. Listen, just, listen, everyone, <laughs> everyone swoons around you always, Miss Louise Watts, like flies. So you know that anyway no, at this swap stage. Me, Jerry. <laughs> Don't be telling lies. Anyway, uh, Vapona, Vapona. Do you remember Vapona? Anyone remember Vapona out there hanging from the ceiling? Uh, used to in my granny's. And the hundreds used, of flies sticking to Yeah, or if you're going to, you know, if you're going to a butcher shop or uh, other shops with food and they fly into this thing and zzz, it kills them. You know that machine? <laughs> no, zzz, but I want one. Zzz, that's what you want, that zzz. That machine that kills them. That that's another way. Are people sprays? Did you ever you know that sprays you used to get in a can for flies? Do they still do that? Yes. Do they? Yes. Haven't seen it in years. Why would I'm you sure need they it? Do. Why would you need it? This I'll is what you do. Them. You fold up a newspaper and go. I uh, know they're getting faster. <laughs> I've been trying that for the last few days. Oh, a little bit of practice. That's all you need. Flies, flies. Me kids. They're flying about everywhere at the moment. Shall we know it? Very, very. Good point. Well made by a listener to me. Jerry. the government recently increased the price of alcohol. They did indeed. And this was to deter alcohol abuse and for good health reasons. It perplexes me now that they're opening bars and nightclubs for longer hours. It is truly baffling, says a listener. And that is an excellent point. Really, really well made. And one that's difficult to argue against as well thank you uh, so much there's more comments there I'll come back to them I I promise you on the whole issue of the extended opening hours as well and on the uh, proliferation of flies in in this very mild weather late in October my next guest is truly one of our greatest friends on late lunch she really is she's the most brilliant author she sold more than a million books way more her books have been translated into multiple 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 languages and she is to be honoured back home in Australia soon. It's big news and she's with us to tell us more. Monica McInerney, welcome back to Late Lunch. 
Hello, Jerry. It's always great to talk to you. Sometimes I talk to you from Australia and, and sometimes from Ireland, so it's lovely to be back again. <laughs> yes, and back in Ireland at the moment, but with a trip to do as well. Well, go on. Tell them all your big news. Well, in um, on Monday, I am flying back home to uh, South Australia, where I'm from. I've lived in Ireland for, for 30 years with my um Irish husband John, who you know, yes. and written many of my books in Ireland and many of them with Australian and Irish settings and County Mead settings as well. Um, but on Monday, I'm flying back to Australia um, because on the 11th of November in my hometown of Clare uh, in South Australia, um, the town has commissioned a sculpture um, in my honour and I'm going back to unveil um, a, a statue um, <sighs> that depicts me um, as a 10-year-old and um, and uh, sitting up on the roof of our family house uh, reading. Um, and the statue is being installed just down the road from the family house. And um, and it's it's a, the 10-year-old, as I said. And the, the sculptor is a fellow called Paul Ladichke, a Claire artist. And he's done this beautiful design where um, I am on a roof, but the roof is an upturned book. Uh, so like a you know a hardback book mm. if you open it. So I'm sitting up on that and I'm leaning against a chimney and the chimney is made of a stack of books and I'm reading um, a book. And that is all to reflect the fact that everything I do as a writer um, is because I'm a reader and because I was encouraged to read by my parents and teachers uh, since an early age. So this sculpture is all about family and books and reading and um, and my yeah my hometown uh, is uh, it was their idea. So it's a really beautiful thing to be happening. I'm really overwhelmed about it. Monica, you've really made it now. When your own folks do this for you, I think that is just the supreme acknowledgement. And I am looking at a picture of it. It's, it's quite secretive at the moment, but I have got a glimpse, thanks to you, of, of, of the, uh, the, the finished article or work, as they say. It is truly special, Monica. Isn't it gorgeous? Mm. It's an absolute, yeah, it's an absolute tribute to, to books and reading, I think. And what's even more special for me, uh, the fact that it's, it's on, it's going to be placed at the start of something called the Riesling Trail, um, in the Clare Valley, where I'm from. And, and I'm sure listeners, if they love a good Riesling, they would have drunk some Clare Valley Riesling. It's really famous yes. for its, for its white wines, particularly. But the Riesling Trail follows the trail of the old railway line through the valley for 35 kilometres. So it's a walking and cycling trail. And, um, um, my dad was the railway station master in the Clare Valley for 35 years, and so I grew up in the station master's house. So there's all these kind of double and triple and quadruple connections about why it means so much to me that this is exactly where that statue is going to be, because uh, it's it's on the grounds. The Riesling Trail starts where the, the Clare railway station used to be, where Dad used to work, and we live really close to the railway station, like it was 10 seconds away. Um, and but Dad still used to drive to work. <laughs> and I was laughed before that we were probably the only kids in Australia that we could stand at the gate and wave goodbye to our dad as he went to work and then wait 10 seconds and wave hello when he got there. <laughs> so, um, but like, I used to, because we were country kids, like Clare is a small country town about, you know, when I was growing up, about 3,000 people. And we uh, used to get our books from the State Library in Adelaide, which is about two hours away, and they would arrive by train and, um, and they would come as, two, as as parcels, so myself and my six brothers and sisters would get these book parcels wrapped in brown paper and you know that lovely corrugated cardboard, 
and Dad would ring and say, you know, kids, the book parcels have arrived. So we'd all troop across all 10 seconds it took and, um, and get our books you know, through our dad as well. And so they kind of became magical objects to me, the fact that they arrived, you know, through a parcel um, shed and all that kind of on a train. So the fact that it's this statue of me um, reading um, on the railway station master's house, um, surrounded by books, uh, when I have all those family connections. And, you know, and just because I know, as I said, everything I do as a writer is because I'm a reader. And uh, so I, I see it as, I mean, I'm, as I said, I'm so touched that it's about me and, and my books, uh, but it's also about um, the power of encouragement and, and mm. reading. Yes, and that is so important for anyone listening today. Get them reading. Encourage your children. It is so important. And of course, you, your dad, Steve, station master, the railway connection, your mum, Mary, the librarian. So, you know, that aspect of the books in your life as well. But it is true, Monica, and I know you've spoken to me about this before. Reading has led to what you are today, this most successful writer. Oh, completely, Jerry. I mean, I know, you know, especially like I grew up just as a country kid in a small South Australian country, you know, country town. And I would sit up on the roof of our family house because I had, you know, it was a really noisy house full of, you know, family and, and brothers and sisters and visitors. And it was a quiet spot to, to sit. So I would sit up, you know, leaning against the chimney and I'd move around the chimney during the day to avoid this, you know, this, the bright sun. Um, but it was up on that roof as a little kid that I read about, you know, the Mississippi in Mark Twain's books or I read about, um, you know, England and Ireland and Enid Blyton books and all of those kind of things. So they, books opened up the world to me. And that's how I learned about how other people live and the different experiences that you can have through the pages of books. You know, just being this little kid on a roof in, in South Australia. And I know that that's why, you know, all the books that I write now, which are, you know, family comedy dramas that are, you know, about big books about big messy families, but they've always got international settings. Um, you know, I said the most recent one, The Godmothers, is several chapters set in, in Trim, for example, in County Meath, because I lived near there, you know, mm. when I first came to Ireland. Yes. And so that is like second nature to me to, you know, let stories pull in all your own experiences. And that's completely linked back to me being that kid and, and seeing the world uh, through, through pages of books. Mm, what excitement this is. Oh, this is a trip like no other. I know you love going home, but my God, this is just something else. You will be coming back to us, just to clarify, yes? Well, I hope so this time. And last time you and I spoke, yeah. I, um, I ended up being stranded by COVID. Yes. For, well, I went back for three and a half weeks and uh, ended up being stranded there for two years. My word. No, at that stage, mm. I'm, I'm definitely you know, hoping to come back and just hope that there's not a second wave of COVID. Um, so no, no, definitely coming home again. I really am looking forward to a cold Christmas after you know, two unexpected, yes. very hot Australian Christmases. Yeah, but Monica, you won't miss this deluge we're having at the moment. Could you put me into your suitcase and smuggle me with you away from this because I know I'm used to the Irish weather always we you know we had such a dry lovely summer and autumn but now we're really uh, getting the other side side of things of water but you're heading out there of course of course with uh, with summertime on the writing front you're, you're taking it handy are you at the minute or are you anything in the pipeline or what's the I've, story I've always got kind of ideas kicking yeah. over um, I yeah I, pre- I published my first children's book last year as well so I'm having a little bit of a break from the desk just at the moment and um, but I have about three Three ideas hatching um, to sound like a um, like a hen there for a little while, but um, that's again that's a lovely thing about being a writer because you're walking around and every everything I experience, every conversation I have or story I'm told, you know, kind of goes into the into the, the compost bin of my brain really. Uh, so I ha- I do have some ideas hatching um, as always.
Yeah. Yeah, you always have. But you are a mother hen to millions. You know that anyway, don't you? <laughs> With my little hatching, my little eggs. <laughs> of course well, you it's... are. That's why... You and I both got some very interesting <laughs> mental pictures now. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why we and everybody else absolutely loves you. And uh, you have just been so brilliant at, uh, you know, bringing these wonderful books to us for all those years. 2001, A Taste of It, right through to 2020. And the Godmothers and all else in between, and others besides the the main core of your books. My God, talk about being prolific! It's it, it's amazing. And <laughs> um, that you mentioned Riesling, and myself and Louise sat up in the chairs when you mentioned Riesling <laughs> and that trail. You know, my God, have we tasted it for sure? But uh, you know, when you see the old railway, you know, being converted or turned into something like this, uh, you know, the railways are missed, of course, but. It's something special, isn't it? Oh, it's really beautiful because it would have been such a wasteland yes. if it wasn't. You know, as I said, my dad was the station master for 35 years. And so we used to play at the railway station all the mm. time as kids. And we'd have Olympic game, you know, like balancing competitions on the rails. And you'd put coins on the rails and watch the trains go over them. And, you know, because it would squish the coins flat. So there's lots of games. So the railway line itself was always, you know, really important to us as kids. Um, and, you know, the, the reason it, it failed in, in South Australia was bushfires That's went right. through and burned out a lot yeah. of them. And so they therefore had to pull up the tracks and, you know, et cetera, economics and all of that, you know, unfortunate, um, bad bad decision-making. But it has got this beautiful second life um, in South Australia now as the Riesling Trail, and it literally passes uh, many of the, the Clare Valley's, you know, 25 or 26 wineries. So you can cycle along and go in and do a wine tasting. A lot of them have little restaurants or cafes, um, and you're cycling through the vineyard. So obviously, you know, in autumn, it's particularly beautiful, but any time of the year. And it's just... Yeah, it's. A, I always a lot of my books have got characters set in Clare, and uh, and the characters go walking on the Riesling Trail themselves. So I always make sure I have a good walk on the Riesling Trail when I get back. Um, and I hereby promise publicly on the radio um, that I will bring yourself and Louise back a bottle of fine Clare Valley Riesling. <laughs> well, well, you have just made our days, Monica McInerney. I can tell I'm you. Sorry, I can't say uh, one for everyone in the audience. <laughs> But I promise to bring oh, back no. one. No, no, that'll, <laughs> listen, you're, you're, you're saying the right things and doing the right things. They get enough of the audience here anyway. One last little question that Louise mentioned me to say, ask you because you are going on Monday. Do they do Halloween in Australia? It's becoming more and more um, than they, you know, it didn't used to be. Like even yeah. it is in Ireland, obviously, that, you know, every second house is decorated now. Um, yeah, it's it's been slower over there. And you certainly don't do the trick-or-treating quite as much as you do, you know, here. Like mm. the kids wouldn't, wouldn't do that. But, yeah, like, you know, like all of those kind of, um, I guess, very American festivals. Yes. Um, yeah. There's a, but the good thing about Australia is you can get pumpkins all year round. It's mm. not just a Halloween thing. So um, so we can kind of, you know, make a pumpkin lamp anytime we like, really. <laughs> so, <laughs> you see that? folks that's where we're losing now so they could do it any day in Australia and we are stuck here with the 31st of October and you're right all the Americanisation that goes with it anyway it's been a pure joy to say hello to you today we are delighted for you we congratulate you and wish yourself and John Godspeed on your journey safe out there safe home and enjoy that wonderful occasion when you are acknowledged by your own people Monica we'll talk to you soon God bless thanks a million Jerry. thanks so much take care of yourself bye bye the wonderful
Constable Monica McInerney. Oh, when you see that work when it is unveiled, it's absolutely marvellous. Paddy says, I have my Ovaltine at nine every night, so changes to the liquor licensing laws, opening times won't make any difference to me. Ah, oh, Paddy, good on you. I never tasted Ovaltine in my life. Um, the sticky tape. Yes, the flies. The sticky tape hanging from the ceiling is a great way of catching those annoying flies, especially when you're not around. It works 24-7, Jerry, says Eddie today. I've more there. I'll be back to them, I promise you. But we've got to do this on Tuesday at this time. It's time for our Two on Tuesday. Two on Tuesday. Playing the songs that just never quite made it to number one. But we were so close. I'm to be number one. We were so close. Two on Tuesday. I'm going back to the summer of 1992. Thanks to my good friend Eddie Joyce again today. This one was two weeks at number one. At number two. <laughs> Two on Tuesday, Mr. Nick Berry from the TV series Heartbeat. Two weeks there in the summer of 92, recorded most famously way back, 1958 by Buddy Holly, covered by Shawaddy Waddy in 1975. And the highest chart uh, place it got in recent times, when we call it recent times, 92, was number two, two weeks for Nick Berry. Louise, you're not impressed by the two on Tuesday today? No. 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 Our Louise is... Totally I unimpressed. Didn't mind, I didn't mind the series. I, I vaguely remember the series. Yeah. But um, the song no. does nothing for you. No, he, an actor in the series. He, he, was he in EastEnders, Nick Berry? Yes. Yeah, he was way back as well. I think he sang Every Loser Wins back then as well. <laughs> <laughs> Says a lot, really. Uh, uh, from Louise today. So what was number one? When I tell you that the number one, Louise, was also a cover version, and it actually was an EP June 92, number one for five weeks. Let's have a listen to this one and see what we think. As Seamus Farley would say in the breakfast show, love it or shove it, Louise. Go on. <laughs> love it or shove it. Just, I used to actually like a razor to like two minutes ago. Say the words. Love shove it or shove it. Shove so. the both of them. <laughs> yeah, I think today was a bit of a disaster too. Impressive. Number one, wasn't it? ABBA is normally upbeat, isn't it? Uh, yeah. That, and erasure is normally upbeat. They are. That was erasure, right? With an EP uh, called ABBA-esque. And they had Lay All Your Love On Me, SOS, Take A Chance On Me and Voulez Vous. Mm. You know, combined on it. It was five weeks at number. Oh, here. Music must Somebody have been rubbish. Somebody said to me the other day that we are living through the worst time for music at the minute. No. Listen to those two. Absolutely <laughs> no, not. I think the 90s were a cat. Oh, <laughs> the, that, were. The, those five weeks were brutal. <laughs> brutal. <laughs> that must have been the most brutal oh weeks in the oh, charts ever, ever, ever. Wow, my word. And Erasure, Erasure had great songs. Mm. But I'm afraid that just did not do them justice. 
one little bit. That was shocking stuff, wasn't it? God, they must have had a writer's blank oh, or whatever. Oh, no, no, we're going to move up. We're going to move up. We're going to, we're going to lift it next yeah, week for sure. Jizz, we're going to lift it. Yeah, a bit of jizz, Jerry. Yeah, we're, we're going up a few. We'll come up into the noughties, will we? We'll, we'll have to have a look at the noughties next week and see what there is there. And we'll Just come out of a coma. <laughs> Anyway, I don't think I ever remember a week on a two and Tuesday that it got thumbs down for the number two and the number one. We have made history this afternoon on late lunch. The comments are, you know, about the alcohol and the uh, the opening hours, Louise. We're, mm. we're getting many of them. Here's another one. Jerry, it's an absolute disgrace the way in one hand, and this is repeating an earlier message, the government are trying to curb excessive drinking. And now they're doing the opposite. Hopefully it won't create antisocial behaviour in the early to late hours of the morning as frustration grows with the lack of taxis. Really, what's the need for these extended hours, says Liam? And that's a point you were making to me off mic there when we're talking, the taxi situation. It could be 24 hours open and you still won't get a taxi at times. Mm. And that is... And it's and always been the case. Go yeah. back 20 years, it's always been the case. And Colette Nugent made that point as well. And you've been talking to some people of, of a younger generation recently, haven't you? And they were saying the same, going out now, it's uh, just difficult. Uh, they said as well, you know, after COVID, people's mindsets have changed. It's yeah. no longer going out out. And when they went out, they just felt this is really strange. Mm. I think I'll just go home. And then they just were waiting outside in the cold for a taxi. And you can't get a taxi. So what's the answer? You know, they say it's easy, it's much easier to get a taxi license now. There seems to be proliferation of taxis during the day. But I'm just talking about a local level here. Is less at night is that is that the issue more to, what is the answer I don't know I suppose mm. that, you know people generally don't go out Monday to Thursday yes. so you know a lot mm. of taxi drivers don't bother going out maybe yeah what is the and answer then at the weekends it's just like whoosh. yeah taxi drivers taxi drivers are listening to us all across the North East today I know they listen to LMFM very loud they're listening to us today what is the answer taxi men or women and they are doing their best but yeah. they just get caught up and yeah. if you have if you've something to say 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text love to hear from you just before we head to the break another message on the alcohol thing I went uh, my journey started just over two years ago I went away I was drinking far too much over lockdown and it just progressed from there I'm indeed very upset this government is extending opening hours of pubs and clubs People in this country are suffering more now from drinking because it was so easy to drink at home during the lockdown and it's got under the skin of a lot of people. Now, it's a sad message, isn't it? Mm. There will be a lot more misery in homes uh, across our country and true addiction because of this. I was one of the lucky ones, Jerry, uh, and I'm coming out the other side, thank God. Thank God you are and thanks for that message and that's the serious side of alcohol as well. Late lunch LMFM radio, short break and after the break, if you suffer with your thyroid or a thyroid condition Aggie McCabe is with us to help. My next guest is a nutritional therapist who specialises in thyroid conditions and she knows all about it because she herself was diagnosed with an underactive thyroid at one stage in her life and she's made incredible strides forwards and I'm delighted to welcome her to the show and we're going to hear her story now. Aggie McCabe, hello. Hello, Jerry. Happy to be here. Delighted to have you with us on the show. So I think just before we talk about you and the success you've had living with this, mm-hmm. tell us your story. What, what age were you and what were the symptoms, please? 
Um, so I was 27, so uh, 12 years ago, and it I kind of knew that I might develop that later in life because already my mum had it, both of my grandmas had it. So I was, you know, I think I was a little bit more um, kind of on it with blood tests, if that makes sense. But symptoms-wise, uh, I would say tiredness mainly, um, some bloating, water retention, brain fog. I remember that was really like one of the, the, the pesky symptoms, really. And then I just went for a regular blood test and, yeah, there it was, underactive thyroid. But then I had to follow up with my own investigations after that. Hmm. And th- that's where it gets interesting. So a simple blood hmm. test uh, revealed this and you had the underactive thyroid. Yeah. To treat an underactive thyroid conventionally, medically, what is it? You're, you you go on a drug? Yeah, so once your so your TSH goes up, which is an indication of um, your thyroid struggling a little bit, so they typically would put you on levothyroxine, which is a drug you take for life. Now, the problem is that, especially in the UK, you have to be quite severely underactive. Your TSH has to be almost like above four or five for them to even consider it when most people feel best when they're like around two. So, you know, there are so many people who just don't get help because they fall out side of that um kind of norm um but yeah once you're diagnosed you get put on the lipothyroxine and you you just take it for life so there is no other advice necessarily just take the pill and that's it and do you take the pill every day i do i am on a third of the dosage i was on to start with but um but i still do take it purely because when i was diagnosed i think it was already advanced enough for me not to be able to you know reverse it fully and i always say to all my clients that you know for some people it might be possible for some people you know you might be able to reverse the symptoms reduce the dosage but not necessarily reverse the whole thing entirely i noticed you say to me that you're only on a percentage of the strength of the drug that you began on and obviously that's something that pleases you but how were you able to reduce it what do you do in combination with still taking it every day? So I think the key thing to know here is that most of the cases, over 90% of cases of underactive thyroid are actually due to an autoimmune condition called Hashimoto's. So this this is not not a common knowledge and not something that um, doctors, GPs typically talk about, but it's actually what is behind the symptoms. And it's this like an autoimmune condition, like an attack on your thyroid. And it, it might seem like bad news, but actually it's for most people, good news, because there's a lot that we can do about it. So you there, it starts with the root cause, working on your gut, working on your nervous system, lowering the inflammation, lots of little things. So it's it's quite a process, but it's definitely worth it. And you can, you know, you can see some great results. So you're talking about foods, like good mm. gut foods that uh, promote good gut health. Th- yeah. That being one one aspect to it as well. What mm. what else do you avoid? Like let, let's talk about you've mentioned there what what you should do to help and and inflammation and that is a problem. What foods do you avoid typically? So I would say um, in general, what I do like is a tailored approach um, for everyone. So I wouldn't say exclusion of many things is the way to go. It's more about identifying what individual intolerances you might be having. 
But the typical offenders there would um, include things like gluten and dairy. Most people are quite reactive to them. So you can start with an elimination diet, taking these things out of your diet for a period of time, working on your gut, seeing how you're feeling. You might be able to put them back in at some point, but I would start with these two. Obviously, avoiding sugar, processed foods, you know, um, the kind of obvious healthy diet is also helpful. But I would say the food intolerances are are very important. And, and you know, when you mention those, I would talk about a range of ailments on this show and to different experts as well. They just keep coming up all the time. The sugar, the processed foods, the baddies. Obviously, they're feeding into quite a number of conditions, just not the thyroid. Yeah, of course. Now, it's the underlying, really, the root cause of all the modern disease, because all of it is really linked to this, like a cellular, low-level inflammation. That's where it all starts. So, you know, if we can do a little bit every day, just pick over, you know, the, the pre-made food, just just cook at home. I think that will be my number one mm. tip, just relying on whole foods rather than processed foods and just seeing, re-listening to your body and identifying what works for your body. There is no universal diet mm. for anything. Definitely there isn't a universal diet for thyroid. Underactive is one end of the spectrum. I take it there's an overactive thyroid as well. Yeah, much less common. Yes. And it is a little bit more aggressive, um, usually due to, um, again, autoimmune condition uh, called Graves. And it has quite kind of more um, disturbing symptoms. And it's it's, it's more of an acute, almost emergency sometimes. So it's, it's to do with this wired feeling, higher heartbeats, lots of anxiety, your metabolism speeds up. So it, it is, you know, it, it is more of a medical emergency, but it can quite often, it can move from, overactive to underactive the mm. so most people my mum for example she started as overactive and now she's underactive so uh, trying to get the balance then is the, yeah. is the challenge <laughs> isn't it it really is yep, definitely. <laughs> you know you mentioned your mum there and that's an interesting thing mm. and that your your mum uh, and other family members had it so yeah. there's a real case then is there here uh, Aggie for hereditary uh, aspect mm. of this yeah, there is definitely a genetic um, genetic component with thyroid issues, all of them, especially if it's autoimmunity, Hashimoto's, usually would have a, you know, a wonky gene. And then we need a trigger. So something needs to happen, some sort of stressor. It can be physical, can be emotional, but something happens to us. Um, and that usually causes the disease to develop. So when I speak to my clients, they can usually pinpoint something, some sort of events, like perhaps like a viral condition or some stressor, sometimes pregnancy, hormonal changes that trigger that gene to get activated and, you know, and the disease develops. So that's interesting, is it, that you can be going along, no bother in your life. It is in the gene somewhere and it takes an event or something like that in life that can trigger it at any age. Yeah, yeah, it can happen. I have many clients who only developed this when they were going through menopause. Again, hormonal change in the mm. body trigger. Very common in women, you probably are aware, but it's it's uh, five to ten times more likely, more common in women than in men. There you go. And, uh, you know, women are generally more active than men in terms of all they have to do in life. And yet the underactive thyroid yeah. is, is, is a symptom. In terms of, you know, numbers or people who present with this, is it a, mm -hmm. an extensive problem? 
Yeah. So especially in women, it is estimated worldwide and obviously it will different from country to country, um, but it's estimated that one in eight women will develop during the course of the lifetime a thyroid problem, usually hypothyroidism. And w- when you, uh, you know, engage with your clients and, and you work with them, do they all experience, you know, a better quality of life that all those symptoms you mentioned, bloating, weight gain, fatigue, all that type of stuff in conjunction with taking uh, the medication, life becomes yeah. much better? Well, this is the problem. The medication very rarely changes anything. Because if you think about it, the only thing that the medication does is it replenishes the hormone. So some people have a mild improvement to start with, but they still wouldn't have addressed what caused it to start with, you know, what what, what is behind it. So like I said, could be autoimmunity in over 90% of cases of underactive thyroid so that's that's the problem for example for me it was doing absolutely nothing i was taking it and 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 this is what i usually hear from my clients as well and what is even more disturbing is sometimes they report um side effects after taking the pill so it's got lactose in it for example so some people react to it so yeah it is a a little bit a little bit a little bit problematic but you know if your thyroid is already not functioning unfortunately it's a a necessary evil something that like we need to take. So the message today is if you have some of those symptoms and you're concerned and you can't pinpoint what's wrong, go and get the blood test done and see what that reveals. Where can people find out a little bit more about you and what you do? Your website, please. Yeah, so the, the website is uh, aggiemccabe.com uh, and I'm also quite active on Instagram. I do a lot of education there so um, anyone can just jump on there and watch some videos um, and my handle on Instagram is your underscore thyroid underscore nutritionist um yeah and i think that i think probably that's the best place to start you're great thank you so much for joining us today because it is a problem i'm sure resonates with quite a number listening to us on late lunch this afternoon thank you so much for your time aggie Thank you so much. Take care now. Bye bye. That's uh, the lovely Aggie McCabe there. AggieMcCabe.com, your underscore thyroid underscore nutritionist on Instagram if you'd like to find out more. Now, Louise, I know you and I dissed Heartbeat as our number two today, but you know something? On every cloud, there's a silver lining because listen to these. It's just lovely. And it's something that really inspires me on radio. Hi, Jerry. Can I tell you something funny? Do you know that Heartbeat is on every night on Virgin Media 3? There you are, Louise. You can catch up. I love it and look at it every night. But my little dog, who is 14, detests it. That's a clever dog. (laughs) As soon as the song Heartbeat starts, she jumps off her bed and heads for the door. (laughs) Whimpering. She absolutely refuses to come back inside (laughs) until I turn the television off. I wonder if she's trying to tell me something. Ha ha ha, says Nula. Isn't that just... Nula, that is just fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time to tell us that story. It's just made us smile and happy today. And then on the other hand, you see, it's the... um, What do you call it? It's just the medium that keeps on giving radio. It really is. Listen to this. Hi, Jerry. My lovely husband was diagnosed with terminal cancer two years ago. Thank God I got to look after him at home for the last three months of his life. He was in bed. He loved Heartbeat and watched every episode of it over and over. He died a year last March. So I count. Sorry, should I say that again? I couldn't bear to watch Heartbeat. So I packed them away. So the Heartbeat song that you played today 
brought back so many memories, says Maureen. Isn't oh, that just Maureen. touching? Mm. Really touching, Maureen. And uh, and in time, hopefully, you will, you will get to watch them again. Yeah, please, God, you will. You will. What a lovely message mm. as well. We're thinking of you, Maureen, today. It's funny the different emotions from, you know, laughter to sadness. That and grief. Yes, a song can just evoke in different people. And that is the magic of music. There is no doubt about that. We love your messages. Thank you so much. We love our listeners on Late Lunch. And uh, always remember the number 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. I remember, Maureen, now every time I hear Yes, that yes, we will indeed. We will indeed. Fantastic. Uh, flies, you have an update on the fly situation mm. just quickly before we have I to... I found a few things that is meant to keep uh, flies away. Yeah. Uh, basil. Flies hate the smell of basil. Place a few basil plants in your kitchen and watch them disappear. I reckon my basil plant has actually attracted them. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, send me a picture. Is it basil you have at all? <laughs> well, you know, I haven't watered it in a while. But, uh, cloves, mint, lavender and marigold. Yes. Cinnamon. Yeah. Lavender, eucalyptus, peppermint and lemongrass. Wasn't lemongrass? Oh no, that was green grass. It was a character in Harpy, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, lemongrass is lovely. All those essential oils. Spray them around and the pesky flies don't like them. They'll, they don't they'll like they'll that clear one off. Bit. There you are. You yeah. have a range of things there you can spray around your house. I'm going to try tonight. Flies away. Don't the, the, have the lavender. Yeah, you don't need the stuff in the can. Psh, psh, you don't need that at all. As I said, the newspaper at your hand was a great job as well. My dad was brilliant. He hated them. Boom. And there are a lot of flies in our day with the heat and there's nothing else to give them away. Vepona. Vepona. Remember Vepona. Anyway, after three artists of the week, Burke's banter, but taking us up to news, weather and sport. It's Mr. George Harrison on your late lunch. I got my mind set on you. I got my mind set on you. I got my mind set on you. Got my mind set on you. Time for this and late lunch. The Late Lunch Artist of the Week Artist of the Week Yes, Dr. Hook are my Artists of the Week this week and their debut album, which was simply called Dr. Hook, was released in 1972 and it was a big, big hit for them. It went gold and it sold over a million copies quite quickly on its release. And listen to this, it's been re-released more than 20 times subsequently and done well too so the sales have gone on and on the first single from that album was Sylvia's Mother which this is amazing to consider this it actually flopped when it was released but undeterred they went at it again in 1972 a little later in the year put a big big push behind it got a lot of play on radio stations and guess what it became a top five hit in the USA and the band's first ever selling million single. It was a huge success. It's a subtle parody about teen heartbreak, the tears that flow, and it's my Dr. Hook selected track today. Yes, it's the classic Sylvia's Mother on your late lunch this Tuesday afternoon. Sylvia's Mother says Sylvia's busy too busy to come to the phone Sylvia's mother says Sylvia's trying To start a new life of her own Tell her goodbye Dr. Hook, Sylvia's mother 
my artists of the week uh, this week and what a cracking run of hits they had for 12 years or more well into the 80s and I'll spin another one from them tomorrow for you and tell you more about the boys round about this time final break of the afternoon coming up on late lunch this Tuesday and afterwards we're going to hear from Sinead Burke who brings us her observations of life yes it's walk the walk talking the talk Burke's banter next it's not just the mother in the broadband ad Sure, aren't we all gone mad for the walking? For me, like many, it started in lockdown. Taking a stroll after a day working from home was a useful way to meet people I wasn't related to. And many an evening, I happily shouted over to the other side of the road, inquiring how others were getting on, and repeating in a bemused and exasperated loop my unique and insightful take on the global situation. It's mad, isn't it? Honestly. Sure, it's like something out of a film. Lockdown ended... The world is still mad and I am still walking. In fact, I now even own a pair of proper walking boots, though I don't have a pedometer yet. It's a grounding kind of activity, isn't it? The repetition of a regular walk. Taking in familiar landmarks from unfamiliar angles as you walk by instead of driving. Noticing how a garden is really coming on. And isn't that a lovely job they made those gates? It's free and low impact and there's not a lot of preparation involved. Throw on the coat and away you go. We'd be big into it on our road. There are the regulars on the route up and down the lane and we have our pleasantries ready from the time you see another head bobbing up on the headland. Retired couples who can get out during daylight hours. Brand new parents with brand new buggies. Harass nine to fivers listening to podcasts on their phones in the evenings. And then there is Ina. Ina is the queen of our road. A lady of a certain age. Like the late Banri Eilish, she wears bright colours so you can see her when she's out on her daily patrol. Sometimes she's company, sometimes she doesn't. But it's always a treat to end up in lockstep with her for a while. To the outside eye, our lane is just another country road, where people take a shortcut to get somewhere else, and the mobile reception is poor. But like every other little community, it's a smaller reflection of the wider world. Yes, a lot of us are related where we live. Local needs will do that. We're not exactly the Habsburg dynasty. There is plenty of new blood. Alongside the long local drawls with extra vowels and parochial references, the previously exotic Dublin accents have been joined by German, French and Polish voices, having the chat while the kids look through the gates at horses. A couple of Ukrainian girls even appeared at the Blessing of the Graves during the summer and very welcome they were too. Mind you, there was a bit of a curious stir when my sister's mother-in-law, who is an elderly Indian lady, was spotted strolling down the road in her sari. Not so much valley of the squinting windows as curious locals belting out to the gate to say hello. In a world which is still mad, most certainly on fire, and the quickest way to an argument is to ask someone what a woman is, community is important. It's both a shared history and a shared future. And making it work benefits everyone around us. The easiest way to engage with that is to go out for a walk. Get the coat on, have your chit-chat ready and get out. It will do your head and your heart good. Yes, Sinead Burke there with her banter. Brilliant observer of life. Thanks a million, Sinead, of life. And uh, she'll be back, of course, with more banter presently on Late Lunch. When you get out walking, it's good for the heart, soul and everything else. Just to conclude uh, your comments today, uh, read the taxis. A message from a listener to say, Jerry, people should pre-book taxis. And if you pre-book, 
you won't have to wait. Is that right, Louise? If you pre-book, you won't have to wait. Would you be confident that that is the case with, with a taxi today? Suggestion there from mm. a listener? No, I don't think I've ever pre-booked. Yeah, well, there you are. That's an option and a suggestion as well. Thank you for it. Maybe it's something to consider. Um, Tomorrow on the show, Michael Harding is with us. Oh, what a man. Most brilliant author and observer of everything and anything in the world. He's on the show tomorrow. The Littlest House. Yes, you won't believe how tiny this house this uh, family are living in. And Tygo Sullivan's going to tell us all about the great work going on with Dundalk Lions Club, our Artist of the Week, and more besides. And more besides includes... A little help from yourselves. If you were to turn your attentions to it on this Halloween week, what would you put in your headstone when you die? Your apple tart. What would your apple tart be? Am I saying that right, Louise? Mm-hmm. Your a- Well, it sounds like it, doesn't it? It's epitaph. Mm. Am I saying epitaph? Epitaph? Epitaph. Epitaph. Yeah, so mm-hmm. your epitaph on your headstone. What Nothing would... sombre to make, you know, something yeah. light. Yeah, Light-hearted. yeah, lift it. Lift, yeah. lift lift, the mood. Like there is um, a headstone <laughs> up in the Hill of Tower, I believe, that just says gone fishing. Ah, so what would you put on yours? Love it, love it, love it. I might rob that one. Yeah, I love <laughs> that one. I really do. I think I'll rob that one for myself, to be honest with you. Yeah, but what words would you put on your Stone, the stone that's left, the only thing that'll remain when we're all gone, maybe a little stone and a little plaque or something to us if you're interred as ashes or whatever. But what would you put on your headstone, your epitaph? Think of it for us tomorrow on late lunch. We're going to be tell us yet. No, 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 don't, don't, please. We're gone. We're out of here now for sure. Don't tell us, but we want to hear from you tomorrow on the show. That's it for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks to all our guests. And up next on LMFM Radio is Eddie Caffrey. Wonderful music, The Drive, and more besides coming your way over the next couple of hours. But do come back tomorrow. 1.30 midweek Wednesday and join us for the next episode of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio leaving you today in the company of Miley Cyrus have a lovely Tuesday evening see you tomorrow bye FM Podcasts. With CNC Carpets, we bring the showroom to you. Or book a new showroom appointment on 087 660 4237. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.